It's Wednesday, June 8th. I'm Pam Jones, sitting in for Sir Y. Kim. The Baltimore County Council is going after the superintendent of county schools. Members say they are fed up with chronically late school buses and other issues over the past two years, and now they want him out. And we'll hear from a software developer who's using technology to address the mental health needs of young students in K-12. It's the Daily Dose from WYPR, our latest reporting on Maryland's COVID-19 response and the local news of the day, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. The Maryland Department of Health is reporting another 1,359 COVID cases and three additional deaths. Hospitalizations are down by 18 in the last 24 hours. The state's testing positivity rate has increased slightly to 8.86%. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has announced first-year funding awards of $215 million for three national programs to prevent and control cancer. The awards are part of a five-year, $1.1 billion investment. Eighty-six unique recipients from state, local, tribal, and territorial public health organizations and academic institutions receive funding. They represent all states and the District of Columbia. Maryland is setting aside money for Governor Hogan's Refund the Police initiative. More than $7 million is available through the Police Accountability, Community, and Transparency Grant. Governor Hogan says this will help police districts to conduct de-escalation training and purchase additional body cameras. Law enforcement agencies have until June 29th to apply for the funding. Baltimore City's Board of Elections needs volunteers. That's because there is a major election judge shortage. The board says the city is struggling to recruit judges for its July 19th primary. So far, about 900 volunteers have been trained, but 1,300 are needed. Volunteers will be paid up to $275 a day. Applications are at boe.baltimorecity.gov. Baltimore County Council members' frustration with the school system over late buses boiled over Monday night. WYPR's John Lee reports the council used its power to stop a requested transfer of money within the school system to punish school officials. Councilwoman Kathy Bevan says after COVID, chronically late school buses has been the number one issue for her constituents the past couple of years. We need to send a message to the school system. We need to send a message to the superintendent. This is not working for me. It's not working for me, and it's not working for my parents. Republican David Marks says it doesn't seem like the school system is listening to the council's concerns. At Perry Hall Middle School today, there were 10 late buses going all the way up to 90 minutes late. That's just unacceptable. Because of vacancies, the school system has $33 million in money unspent on teaching, transportation, and special education salaries. School officials want to spend the money elsewhere. On a 5-2 to two vote, the council refused to let them do that. School officials have been grappling with a shortage of school bus drivers. They've pointed out that school systems nationwide are having the same problem. But council members, like Democrat Tom Quirk, were not satisfied with that answer. I'm so, 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 so tired of hearing, well, everybody else has this problem, so let's just give Baltimore County Public Schools a a pass on it. Republican Wade Catch also lambasted school superintendent Darrell Williams and his administration for not being in touch about what they're doing to get a handle on the bus situation. 
something is wrong. And, you know, I get so tired of hearing that, well, the administrative staff, the senior staff is looking into this. These problems have existed for a long time. Chris Hartlove, the chief financial officer for the Baltimore County Public Schools, told council members that the school administration is aware of their frustration. We have those same frustrations, and I do see folks working on trying to fix these problems. Hartlove told the council he informed Superintendent Williams about the frustration over late buses that he heard from council members at a meeting last week. Councilwoman Bevins wondered if that was the case, while Williams didn't pick up the phone. My colleagues, all raise your hand if you heard from the superintendent. Anybody get a call from the superintendent? That's our point. Democratic Council Chairman Julian Jones said everyone is frustrated. He tried unsuccessfully to convince his fellow council members to not use the money as a weapon. And now let us not use the funding to send a message when the message has already been sent and it's loud and clear. Council members also took the opportunity to fume about other things, like the shortage of teachers and educators having to buy school supplies out of their pockets. The county council in May approved this coming year's budget, which includes more than $2 billion for the county schools. A council has little say over how the money is spent. The only reason it could block the transfer of the surplus money on Monday night is because the amount reached a threshold in which the school system needed to ask permission. Councilman Quirk says it's frustrating handing over so much money with little say on how it's spent. We appropriate so much money to Baltimore County Public Schools, and I don't think a member on the county council feels that we have any accountability. The school system gets to keep the $33 million that the council blocked from being transferred. School officials say they will have to come back to the county council for approval on how to spend it. And the council's ire continued last night. In a show of no confidence in Baltimore County School Superintendent Darrell Williams, five members of the county council are calling for a nationwide search for a possible replacement. John Lee followed up on the contents of a letter from council members to the school board chair Tuesday, which said the county schools have reached a crisis point. The letter ticks off a series of problems like low teacher and student morale, high employee turnover, lack of discipline, and declining student achievement. Republican Councilman Way Catch. We've lost confidence in the superintendent, in, in the system itself. The council has no say in who is the superintendent. The letter is designed to pressure the school board into seeing if there's anyone better out there before it considers renewing Superintendent Williams' contract next year. But two council members did not sign the letter, including Democrat Izzy Patoka. There were so many stops and starts over the past few years. It was uncharted territory for all of us. A school system spokesman declined to comment. John Lee, WIPR News. Maryland's Republican gubernatorial primary is coming down to a race between a former member of Governor Larry Hogan's cabinet and a pro-Trump freshman delegate who introduced a resolution in the last General Assembly session to impeach Hogan over his handling of the COVID pandemic. WYPR's Joel McCord reports that GOP regulars say it's a question of electability. Kelly Schultz, who worked seven years as Hogan's Secretaries of Labor and Commerce, is working the crowd at the Smokin' on the Creek BBQ Throwdown in a marina near the southern tip of Anne Arundel County. Very, very 
very long. Yeah, Republican leaders say she's the candidate from their party who has the best chance of winning in November in this state where Democrats hold a two-to-one voter registration edge. And Patrick Marnell of the Southern Anne Arundel Chamber of Commerce agrees. I'm feeling pretty confident. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the platform. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Very personable and yes, yes, good person. In a recent poll by the Baltimore Sun and the University of Baltimore, Schultz holds a six-point lead, 27 to 21 percent, over Dan Cox, a Frederick County delegate who touts his endorsement by former President Donald Trump. Two others in the GOP race, Robin Ficker, a perennial candidate from Montgomery County, and Joe Werner, a local lawyer, trail far behind at only 5% and 4% respectively, according to that same poll. Cox, who failed to respond to repeated requests for an interview, pictures Schultz on his website wearing a face mask and accuses her of parroting Hogan's wear the damn mask line. He also criticizes her for not supporting Trump. He appeared in April at a conference in Pennsylvania of a far-right Christian group called Parents Arise for God and Country. Delegate Jason Buckle, the House Minority Leader, says that won't cut it in Maryland. Uh, You know, we're not South Carolina. We're not Idaho. We don't have a predominantly Republican or sort of farther right-wing electorate. Buckle calls himself a very conservative Republican, but says he understands you have to appeal to voters from one end of the state to the other and to be competitive in the counties along the I-95 corridor to win the governor's race. Uh, Does Dan have the ability to do that with some of the positions that he's taken, uh, some of the issues that he tends to bring to the forefront? Uh, I think that's that's very, very debatable. Schultz says she's not a political pundit, but she's seen polls that agree with Buckle's assessment. But I think what it shows is that we are taking on an administration that has been very successful with the Hogan administration over the course of the last seven and a half years, which I have been a part of that whole time until January, of course, and being able to continue to move the state of Maryland forward. The ads on her website appear to be aimed more at Democrats and the general election than the primary. It's unbelievable that with all of this going on, there are actually people running for governor proposing billions of dollars in tax hikes and new government spending. Back at Smokin' on the Creek, Schultz concedes none of the Democrats have proposed new taxes, but she says Democrats are proposing new programs that would result in new taxes. For example... Well, uh, Peter Francho, he's he's proposing a state bank, uh, which is a very costly um, initiative for all Marylanders. And you don't hear about the Democrats talking about any tax decreases at all. Jordan Bellamy, a spokeswoman for the Franco campaign, says he is not proposing a bank, but a program that would make the state a guarantor of mortgages in certain communities to redress the wrongs of redlining, the banking practice that discriminated against people of color. Francho, the state comptroller, holds the lead among Democrats in that Baltimore Sun UB poll, and he could be Schultz's opponent in November. I'm Joel McCord, WYPR News. Recent studies have shown that young people are in the midst of a mental health crisis and in the hopes of empowering educators to meet this moment. An emotional wellness advocate in Baltimore is bringing an interactive software to schools. WIPR's health and housing reporter Sarah Y. Kim has more. 
The software, designed for K-12 children, is called Climb. Its founder and CEO, Ashley Williams, hopes it will be one of many tools that students can use to manage their emotional health. So we have a generation of young people, particularly because of the pandemic, experiencing high rates of toxic stress, high rates of depression, high rates of anxiety. Climb started out in 2018 as Infinite Focus Schools. At the time, Williams says the idea was not quite refined. Accelerators like the Johns Hopkins Social Innovation Lab gave her more visibility. Today, Climb's funders include the American Heart Association and Ignite Capital. Williams says Climb is a sort of tool that would have been helpful for her when she was growing up, especially as one of few black students attending a predominantly white school. I experienced discomfort. I experienced fear. I experienced anxiety. And I didn't have any resource, any technique, any tool to support me through those early childhood challenges. And as an adult, I know that I was not alone in that. Williams also drew inspiration from her work in education as the Dean of Climate and Culture at the Southwest Baltimore Charter School. I was really interested in bringing meaningful, effective resources into our school community. And when I looked at the market, I could not find it the exact right thing. Williams says Climb approaches emotional health the way a doctor approaches physical health. That when you... Go to your doctor. Your doctor gives you a personalized treatment plan. And because of its personalization to you, its specificity to you, your chances of improvement are increased. She says this is what makes it different from other digital emotional health tools. Schools and nonprofits purchase the software and have to get permission from parents for children under 13. In Baltimore, the software is in nine sites. It's all age-appropriate. When users log into the software, Climb does a quick daily emotional check-in. How are you really feeling? What is your level of focus? Students can use different emojis to answer. Once they finish that assessment, they get their personalized treatment plan, which includes mindfulness audios or this guided energizer. Take a deep breath. Relax your muscles. The content, Williams says, comes from therapists, emotional intelligence experts, and mindfulness instructors. Over time, teachers track the emotional experience of their students and the progress they make. One of the Baltimore-based sites using CLIMB is the nonprofit Living Classrooms Foundation, where Monica Davenport is a site coordinator for children after school. My little kids love it. So first through fourth graders love climb. She says it's a little harder, though, to get the older ones excited. And students may not always feel like being honest. But Davenport says the software's still a good way for them to get more aware about their emotions, especially with the current lack of resources. I don't think that in the actual school setting, they do very much, you know, actually address your honest emotions. Instead, she says, there seems to be a focus on the behavior of students without assessing how emotional health affects that behavior. Next academic year, Williams says, CLIMB will be in 70 sites across the country, and she hopes it will become one of many tools that change the way schools approach emotional health. And so in 10 years, I would hope that social-emotional learning is embedded into the education curriculum. And there are resources earmarked for social emotional learning and emotional intelligence in schools the same way that there are resources earmarked for for science. Williams has also launched a petition on change.org, which calls on Congress to fund wellness resources at schools. As of Tuesday, the petition has 721 signatures. Sarah Y. Kim, WIPR News. 
The Daily Dose is brought to you by WIPR, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Big thanks to my news team colleagues, Sarah Y. Kim, Rachel Bay, John Lee, Joel McCord, and Callan Tansel Suddeth. Our digital content director is Jamala Krimple, and our general manager is LaFontaine Oliver. The executive editor of The Daily Dose is Danielle Irby. Stay healthy, stay sane, and stand together. I'm Pam Jones. Thanks for listening.